annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb, and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen, thank you, everybody. Helen, how are you? I am great, Jay Keith. What have you been up to since our last podcast recording? Um, let's see. I guest hosted Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What? And fingers crossed it went great. <laughs> okay. So you're doing some pre-prediction of the past. <laughs> and it went great. It did go great. All right, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet the first of today's guests. Helen, who is up first? He is a prolific writer who created the TV shows Bored to Death and Blunt Talk, and whose book You Were Never Really Here has been adapted into a movie in theaters now. It's Jonathan Ames! Jonathan Ames! Thank you. Welcome. We're very happy to have you here. As Helen mentioned uh, in your introduction, you've had a couple of your books turned into movies. Uh, mm. Is that in your mind as you're writing a novel that, oh, I can imagine this on the big screen? Um, not, not when I'm writing the book. When I finished this recent book, which Helen mentioned is a, a film now, I did think as soon as I was done, I'm like, I think this could be a movie. Really? Mm. Yeah. And um, I did send it to my uh, film agent at the time and said, I think this could be a movie. And he didn't respond. <laughs> um, but it did become a movie. Now, actually. I know you more, like, you write comedy really mm -hmm. well. And, mm -hmm. and I think you're more known as a comedy writer. And mm -hmm. this is very dark. Yeah. Well, uh, when I wrote it, I was uh, going through a dark period myself. But even when I'm writing comedy, I'm usually going through a dark period. But, um, <laughs> oh, but I hear I, that. But I, I wanted to write something genre. I'd been reading... Uh, thrillers and mystery books and crime novels for years. Uh, it was a chance experiment. I thought, I want to write a thriller. I want to write a page turner. I wanted to create a physical sensation in the reader of having mm. to turn the page in a compulsive manner. And uh, so that's why I wrote something non-comedic. And I'm, I'm working on a, a sequel to it. I, I struggle. I've mentioned this before. I can't pronounce the word sequel. <laughs> I, I just want to say sequel. I have certain words. I just we all struggle in different ways, even sure. before Alzheimer's. You know what I have? I have. I can say okay. The famous golfer. I can say oh well, that's the famous golfer Arnold Palmer. But mm. if I want the beverage named after him that combines iced tea and lemonade, yeah. I always say I'd like to have an Arnold Palmer. Like, I can't, yeah. I have a block the with it. The verbal equivalent of when you put two fingers and you rub in between the space, you're like, oh, which finger's feeling it? There's certain word combinations, <laughs> like Arnold Palmer, right. which confuse the brain, like trying to yeah. also imagine infinity and what's on the edge of space. I'm still so. st stuck on the fingers rubbing I'm together. I'm stuck on how eloquently you described what that was, something that I had never heard of before and knew exactly what you were talking about. Oh, that's good. I, that's and, a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Let's talk about another project that is very dear to our co-host heart. You are the creator of Blunt Talk, which I believe starred Miss Helen Hong. Yes. yes. Helen was incredible in Blunt Talk. I loved it. That's how we met, right? That's how we met. Yeah, and then you were so good in your role that I kept writing for you and bringing you back. and Guys. you know. And Helen, you're his Guys. muse. You're his <laughs> muse. I I only invited you onto this podcast to hear you actually say that <laughs> yes. out loud. No, but Helen was wonderful to work with and uh, just so funny. Thank and, you so and, much. You know, delight on set and. It was such an uh, honor to work mm. with you and also Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. ah, <laughs> my hero, who stars in Blunt Talk and mm-hmm. who is fantastic and just a wonderful, amazing human being. Mm. Uh, I learned recently that you have never listened to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, you just learned that five minutes ago backstage. I did, yes. Not yes. to reveal the... Yes. Well, I've done a great amount of research, by which I mean talking with you before we came out here. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 54, and I'm on AOL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote my first book by hand, and I was slow to even get a laptop. I think it was in the mid-90s when I finally got one. Maybe 93. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm just, I just don't know how to download one. And so I just avoid it. But I know that people really enjoy them. And um, so here we are. Wait, so Jonathan, is this your very first podcast you've ever been on? No, I've been on podcasts. Oh, right. Which is like, <laughs> wow, like hypocritical. Okay. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to listen to one I've been on because when I've heard my own voice, mm-hmm. I speak in an affected manner. <laughs> I, I'm nasal. I, I sound drugged. Why, why did we book him again? <laughs> like, well, we're certainly happy that you joined this podcast, Mr. Jonathan Ames. Helen, against whom will Jonathan Ames be competing tonight? She is a comedian, actor, and podcaster who stars in the TV show Stan Against Evil on IFC and hosts the podcast The JV Club. It's Janet Varney. Janet Varney. Janet. Oh, I sit next to you. Oh, uh, please have a seat right there. This is already because we hugged like we hadn't already been hanging out backstage. Yeah, I know, but I felt like was like I I felt like I should stand as a gentleman, though. No, that's very gentlemanly. Very gentlemanly. That's very podcasterly of you. (laughs) (laughs) But you're exposing the artifice of a greeting on stage when you've obviously greeted just a a few feet away. Yeah, we went meta right away. Yeah. Mm. Feels right. But I think it sends a good message to the audience that yeah. two fierce competitors hug before the, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. boxers touching gloves. That's true. Even yeah. if we had You're met right. backstage somehow. You're right. right. Now you can destroy each other. That's yeah. right. Uh, now you actually have met and uh, have you worked together before or just friends? I think we're just friends. Just friends. Yeah, I don't think we've actually done work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He hasn't <laughs> written anything for me, Helen. <laughs> well, the night is Sound young. Jelly. Yeah. Sound and jelly. Sound and jelly. Feeling jelly. But I, but I, I attended your your sketch fest, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. kind of work. I mean, you put a lot That's of work true. into we did that. A, we did a tribute to uh, Bored to Death with uh, with Cast and <gasps> Jonathan, oh. and yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, and they all went. We all went up to San Francisco. I mean, yeah. it was incredible. It was great. Was Zach Galifianakis there? He was. Yeah. Rad. <laughs> you do a lot of things at Sketchfest. You're very involved there. Tell us about that. Uh, that is a festival that I founded somehow 17 years ago wow. uh, with a couple of guys that I was in a comedy troupe with. And um, yeah, we're still going. That's just amazing. Just our 17th, yeah. And it's not just sketches, a lot of podcasts, you tapings there. And yeah, a lot of, it's like uh, tons interviews. of stuff now. It's, it's podcasting, it's music, tributes, reunions, panels, movies, improv. It's a ton of stuff, yeah. Is there still Sketch? 
They're still sketch. Okay, at least so, one, yeah. just to yeah, just to keep the yeah, name. Yeah, definitely very good. Still has All right, now let's talk about this. You are returning for season three on Stand Against Evil on IFC. Congratulations. Damn, thank you. Uh, where in the process of, of production uh, are you? Uh, I have not gone yet to film, so I'll, okay. I'll leave in about a week and a half. And where will you go and do this? To uh, very humid Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the month of June and July. Yeah. Wow. Of yeah. all the places and times they could shoot it, they yeah. choose Atlanta in the summer. They sure do. Uh, what are some of the cool things that you've gotten to do in, in making uh, horror scenes in that? Uh, a lot of, of lot of getting splattered by goo. Uh, <laughs> we use practical effects, which I love. Yeah. So there's a lot of like puppetry and creature work and, and practical effects and makeup. And um, I had to go uh, this season. I've I've had to go get you know just the whole prosthetic of my head um, and my uh, teeth casting for reasons I guess I'll keep secret. I don't know. Oh. But, uh, yeah. So that was that was exciting. I'm a dork like that. I mean, I, I'm definitely the person when special effect makeup is being put on me, I'm leaning in <laughs> like a child, whereas I think people who have more experience with that sort of fall asleep while yeah. it's happening. I'm totally but, the same way. Yeah. Like, anytime, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited. If I'm like, if you need me to fly across the room or you need to dump a bottle of goo on my head, I'm down. Yeah. I'm like into Actually, it. Actually, this is very good to know, Helen. Yeah, yeah. really. Especially for this show. Uh, 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 let's talk about the JV Club. This is a, a show. So the, the format is you talk to women about their awkward teen years. I do. In the summer, I talk to gentlemen. I call it the Boys of Summer series. Okay. Everyone has to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the rest of the year, I talk to women. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we sort of cover a lot of ground. But I'm very interested in people's uh, kind of adolescence. I think it's a very vulnerable, sweet, specific window into, into people's lives. And they're in as far enough away for most of us, that, uh, <laughs> that I don't think we're as precious about it now. Yeah. So you can sort of be, basically you can be nosy without prying into their personal lives today. <laughs> Great, and, and what are some of the revelations that, uh, that you were surprised to hear people talk about on the show? Uh, early favorite was Alison Brie admitting that she wet her pants at a gymnastics competition. Um, that was a good one. June, June Diane Raphael talking about how she would eat, eat like more than one bagel at a time when she got home, like three bagels. Because <laughs> they're good. Yeah. You should have me on, and I can tell you about when I pooped my pants in sixth grade. Done. Take that, Allison Bree. All right, Done. we're certainly happy to have Miss Janet Varney Thank here tonight. <laughs> All right, now we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Jonathan, you said you know a lot about 1990s New York Knicks detective novels in noir literature, and the works of Pema Chodron. Uh, wow. Very eclectic. Tell us a little bit about each of those. You said you know a lot about the 1990s New York Knicks. Um, well, yeah, I, I love that team. They broke me. I would spend all spring long watching their playoff runs end in futility. <laughs> and I once was watching them in Saratoga Springs, New York, and that's when the OJ chase occurred. It was during a Knicks playoff game. I remember that. And oh, no. um, it got interrupted, and I was just like, I bet that's OJ, and it turned out I was right. What? Wow, he called it. Yeah. All right, you also said you know a lot about detective novels and noir literature. Yeah, well, I've been reading these books for years. The, the, the writer uh, that inspired the thriller that's now a movie was, is named Richard Stark. I put that out there, really wonderful crime novelist, wrote 24 books about a criminal named Parker that became the film's Point Blank and uh, Payback, uh, Point Blank with Lee Marvin, Payback with Mel Gibson. 
Uh, so I just love that kind of writing, still do. Great. And then you also said you know a lot about the works of Pema Chodron. Am I saying that right? Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it myself. I think it might be Chodron, but I could be wrong. That could be one of your trivia questions tonight. Yeah, I, gee, I, yeah I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I love her books. Uh, I guess about three years ago, I got I had some real breakdown. I, my, I just got broken in half. It happens in life. Mm -hmm. You know, all of us here had it at different times. And anyway, her books were... Uh, provided great solace and so I try to read a little bit of her books every morning and I've learned so much about Buddhism from reading her books I just uh, find it extremely helpful and it's led me into some meditation and I just like to put the word out because they've given me such uh, relief and insight uh, into myself and others that if someone else benefited from it out there in the podcast listening world Pema Chodron I believe she's coming to LA I'd like to go see her in person. She has an abbey in Nova Scotia where you could go for like meditation retreats. Oh, wow. I thought of going, but I only meditate for about 10 minutes at most. And there you'd be like 15 hours a day. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> but I would love to be around her and hear what she has to say. You know, it's important to have teachers. And yeah. it sounds like the exact opposite of being a fan of the 1990s New York Knicks. <laughs> well, but that, but that is a kind of form of karma. It was a part of the, the path to enlightenment yes. and compassion yes. and empathy. Yes, <laughs> and not being attached. <laughs> Janet, you said you know a lot about Jodie Foster movies from the 1970s to 1990s, Ooh. New York Times crossword puzzles, and alt-rock 1990s bands. Yeah. Ooh, that's a crowd favorite. Let's talk about each of those. Uh, you said you know a lot about Jodie Foster movies from the 1970s to the 1990s. Yeah, I, I just really loved her. <laughs> Uh, I still do, but yeah, it, that that era for me, I think I just saw I saw you know early movies of hers, and um, I just I don't know I was just like many many people who enjoy her acting work. I feel like even as a kid, I I looked at her and was like, there's something. Um, very adult <laughs> about what's happening with his nine-year-old acting. And then what oh, happened yeah. in 2000 that ruined everything for you? Uh, oh, I don't know. Something about the zeros and the, you know, 1999 that rolled over to 2000 and we've all technology failed. Oh, fair um, enough. Oh, so remember how that was supposed to happen? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. She, she started working less okay. um, and I think I became less obsessive about the things that I liked. All right. Well, you also said you know a lot about the New York Times crossword puzzle. Yeah, that feels like an important important part of my multiple parts of my day because it is sort of what I like doing when I'm on set or whatever and um, and it was a thing that I came into late and uh, like maybe seven or eight years ago mm -hmm. and I and I'm 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 as an, I'm much more annoying about sort of like preaching the word of the crossword. I mean, it sounds like you actually have something meaningful uh, that, <laughs> you're, your that you're attaching to. Like. But yeah. I do, I, that is honestly, what it, there is something about it that um, I've been going through. I've had a really hard year. And uh, there's something about the sort of orderliness mm. and the like, it's just distracting enough and it forces you just to sort of shift your brain into a different gear mm -hmm. enough that it's incredibly calming. A lot of people would say that about yeah. a crossword. Yeah. yeah, it's meditative. I, yeah. I, I did it for a number of years, but then I moved to LA and I stopped doing it because I stopped getting the New York Times because you said you do it on an app, but I, I need the paper. But 
I was doing it because it's supposed to be good for dementia prevention. D dementia Listen, prevention. Yeah. Dementia. <laughs> prevention. It is for prevention. Yeah. Um, so far, so that good. That too. That too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, you said you know a lot about alt rock 1990s bands. Yeah, and like, but hey, you might have to come up here with me, Brewer, because if I if we talk about that, I I sort of realized after I said it that that. That that there's like a that's a wide wide range. <laughs> well, who are some that's of the a bands? Of, who are some of the bands that you are very familiar with? Uh, well, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about like you know 80s into 90s, like The Cure, Depeche Mode, like mm. kind of getting into that range. But I, I love put, that too. But like, and then I also realized like, oh, what constitutes alt rock? Like that could be just like mm. new wave. So then also that, like, what if you were like, no, Creed. That's alt rock. Oh, I would right. be like, I'm out. Yeah, I think all the audience would, would be out if, if I said that. Uh, I don't know how subjective that term is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, later on, we'll ask each of you some in depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your subjects today mercy and vengeance. Up first, Jonathan and mercy. Jonathan, they both are acts of mercy, or maybe of politics, but what is the difference between a presidential pardon and a presidential commutation? A pardon and a commutation. Um, okay. A pardon is where I think you, someone is just declared innocent and they're no longer in trouble, and a commutation would be a shortening of a sentence. So they might already be in jail, but maybe you don't declare them innocent and clear it of the crime, you just let them out. All right, we've got that answer. Uh, Jana, we don't know yet if he's entirely correct. If you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can steal the points. What do you think? Uh, I, listen, I feel very confident that's an excellent answer. Um, I, I, the only <laughs> thing I will say is, I, I, the only thing I will qualify it in hopes to steal mm. those points. Yes. Because that's what we're here for. Absolutely. Is that, is a pardon like you're fully innocent or is it... Like, listen, we all know you're kind of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm going to pardon the thing you shouldn't have done, which is not the same as like, oh, hey, you didn't kill that person. Yeah. <laughs> Do you so know what I mean? Helen, have you got that written down? <laughs> wait, and then wait, commuting you, wait, a sentence is, yes, uh, all the, the, the commuting the sentence right. could even be like, oh, that person has already served X amount of time. Uh -huh. This president has decided that that's right. enough. But They've, the pardon has a little bit of the, oh, I think we all know. <laughs> I feel a pardon has still a little more of a finger wag. Okay, a pardon then, has a finger then, wag. Then 100% innocent. Then 100% innocent. All right. <laughs> you seem guilty yourself as I you say guilty. that. I feel weird. <laughs> All right, well, we must show mercy and end this segment. So let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both are what are called acts of executive clemency and apply to federal crimes, but there are two main differences. A pardon wipes out the conviction and the punishment. A commutation leaves the conviction intact, but wipes out some or all of the punishment. Also, a pardon can be granted before any criminal charges are filed, like when President Ford pardoned former President Nixon a commutation can only occur after the convicted person reports to a prison for punishment. That is right. And then Section 2 of Article 2 of the Constitution says the president has the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States. It does not mention commutation specifically, but they do come under the pardon power. So what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to give Jonathan a point and a half for that. A point and a half for Jonathan. Oh, 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 Somebody got married. I was going to say. Exactly. Mazel tov. 
All right, up next, Janet, your subject today, vengeance. Janet, they both punish wrongdoing, but when used as a verb, what is the difference between to avenge and to revenge? To avenge and revenge. Oh, boy. Oh. I wish there were, like, a hero with that name. The Revengers? Help me. Yes! That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, my God. Yes! Uh, Okay, and if, let's say uh, you're avenging something outside of yourself. So you're avenging something that, some wrongdoing that happened to your father or your city or your planet. Uh, You're avenging on behalf of and revenging you are getting someone back because it be personal. It be personal? I don't know what the Constitution says, but... (laughs) (laughs) The Constitution might say it be personal. Okay. Uh, All right, Janet, uh, we've got your answer. Jonathan, what do you think? You want to try to steal those points? I think, yeah, revenge, something bad was done to you, and so now you want to do something bad to someone else, which Pema Chodron would say no. So, okay. Bringing it back to Pema. Yeah, bring it back to her. One more book sale. Uh, and a little Buddha angel's wings dinged. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful life. Um, so revenge, something's bad done to you, you do it to someone else. Avenge, yeah, I think I'm repeating what Janet said, which is something bad your has been done to another party, and then you beat that person up. So I think I'm repeating exactly what I Janet think so said. as well. Sorry, All right, well, let's do some, uh, let's do some right doing and end this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. To avenge is to punish a wrongdoing with the intent of seeking justice for those other than yourself. To revenge is to punish a wrongdoing, but for personal retaliation for yourself. Mm. Sounds like Janet might have gotten that exactly right. How about an example, Helen? For example, you could say the district attorney avenged the crime against me by bringing my stalker to trial, while I revenged the incident by poisoning his cat. Oh, it's terrible. What a terrible and yet extremely accurate example. Uh, that's right, you can avenge for yourself, but the goal is justice for all. Some say that they become interchangeable, others say there is a difference, and since we asked what the difference is, that is what the difference is. And what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? I think Janet got both parts of that question I correct. think so as well. Congratulations. What is our score at the end of that first round? At the end of the first round, Jonathan Ames has a point and a half, and Janet Varney has two points. Well done. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself! Beginning this summer, you can listen to new episodes of Inside Pop every other week for an even deeper dive inside the world of pop culture. Now, we're still bringing you our brilliant insight, always on the nose opinions, and insidery inside information on the most interesting pop culture stories of the week. And we'll also have interviews with the pop culture professionals who create the culture you crave. For example, we'll speak to casting directors about how they find the right talent for the right role. We'll talk to music supervisors about how they choose the music to create the right mood. And we'll grill producers who'll discuss what exactly a producer does. Oh man, Sean, how many times has someone said to you, oh, you're a producer, so what do you actually do? So many times. (laughs) Same here. So make sure to catch Inside Pop every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun to indulge your pop culture obsessions. 
and to hear in-depth interviews from the movers and the shakers in TV, music, film, and more. Do you like trivia? Well, you're listening to a trivia podcast, so I'm guessing yes. Well, you know what? I do too. In fact, aside from hosting Go Fact Yourself, a highlight of my week is playing in a live trivia night with friends at a local bar. And the great people at Geeks Who Drink host weekly live trivia nights in over 1,000 bars, restaurants, and craft breweries in 48 states. It's free to play, you can win prizes, and the trivia is top-notch. Their editor-in-chief is six-time Jeopardy! champion Christopher Short. And if you really want to put yourself to the test, check out Geek Bowl, America's largest trivia night, hosted annually by Geeks Who Drink. The next Geek Bowl will be in Las Vegas on March 2nd, 2019. For information on Geek Bowl, weekly trivia nights, or their special theme quizzes, go to geekswhodrink.com. That's geekswhodrink.com. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Janet Varney with two points and Jonathan Ames with a point and a half. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thanks, everybody. Mr. Jonathan Ames, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the 1990s New York Knicks, detective novels and noir literature, and the works of Pema Chodron. Today we want to talk to you about detective novels and noir literature. I, I would have preferred Pema Chodron. <laughs> well, we'll try to it work her into these questions. It might have been too touchy-feely, though. Oh, all right. You talked about this before. You're interested yeah. in it. Tell us about that more. How did you get into uh, a Det- love of noir literature and detective novels? I think books are very much a word-of-mouth medium. It's usually someone says, oh, you got to read this. Or they give you a book. or they. That seems how books really, maybe reviews, I don't know. But it's mostly word-of-mouth. And this friend of mine was really into Raymond Chandler. And he said, you should read Raymond Chandler. And I think um, this would have been, I was working on my first novel, but I think it was the late 80s. It was probably around 87, 88. And I began to read Raymond Chandler and uh, loved his writing. I mean, those of you who know him know Raymond Chandler's work. It's incredibly funny. I mean, the turns of phrase, the descriptions of things. Obviously, he's a great poet of Los Angeles. And so... It began with Raymond Chandler, and I, I would read and reread his books about every five or six years, like hmm. all of them. Uh, now, it, a lot of the more famous uh, noir authors uh, are, are American, or have certainly mm. spent a lot mm. of time in America. Do you think there's mm. something distinctly American about the, the detective noir character? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, you know, the, the French had the Simenon and... Uh, and then the English had, you know, Sherlock Holmes. I was like, what's his name? I was going <laughs> to ask somebody. Um, and, but I don't know if, I think noir might have gotten more associated maybe with film mm. because of things being shadowy. Sure. So I don't know that literature was labeled noir. It might have been films were labeled noir because of things happening in the shadows. All right. Uh, and were you a fan also of detective stories in other media, like radio, TV, and movies? Um, uh, not as much. Okay. I mean, the books would lead me to films, but I've always been a book-first person. Books are the things I most enjoy, the, the things that I, that's the zeitgeist. I don't keep up with that zeitgeist mm-hmm. either, because I'm mostly <laughs> reading stuff from the past. But that's what I do at night, I read. Great. Well, just ahead, we'll enlist the help of a bona fide expert in noir literature to mm. test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But mm. before that, to let you show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each mm. worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Mm. Now, Janet, do listen closely, because if Jonathan answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer, you can steal. Janet, by the way, how much do you know about noir literature and detective novels? 
Uh, I don't, not that much. <laughs> great, here we go. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Jonathan, question number one. Detective Sam Spade appears in only one novel written by his creator, Dashiell Hammett. Which one? The Maltese Falcon. That is correct. That is correct, one point. <laughs> that one I had ready, no matter how much dementia or marijuana abuse, I just like, that, that came fast out of the synapse. That's the, right. He, the he, preventia he, is working. The preventia dementia is preventioning like mad. Uh, he did appear in short stories by Hammett, but that was the only one, hmm. one novel. Hmm. Uh, number two, what detective who had an office on the sixth floor of the Coanga building was supposedly named for an Elizabethan playwright? Oh, that must be Philip Marlowe. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Uh-huh. Created by Raymond Chandler, the playwright, of course, was Christopher Marlowe. You're two for two, Jonathan. Here's question number three. Which detective, who appeared in dozens of novels and short stories, got his own comic book and 3D movie in 1953? Um, wait, comic book? Comic book and 3D movie in 1953. A 3D movie? Yeah. You do have a hint of my voice cracked. Like, yeah. I'm like a, <laughs> Golly, a 3D! I, I, I'm, again, I'm too old to be a fanboy. I'm a fan right. man. Um, you do have a hint of Oh, you, like you know what? I, I bet it would be uh, Nick Charles. Helen? It was not Nick not Charles. Not Nick Charles. Uh, uh, Janet with a chance uh, to steal. Oh. Oh... Dick Tracy? Was it Dick Tracy? It was not Dick Tracy. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was Mike Hammer. Mike oh. Hammer. Uh, the movie was I, the Jury. Uh, all right, let's see if you can mount back with number four. Number four, Jonathan. The word noir is French for black, of course. Now, one of the theories for the origin of the word being applied to literature and film is that one well-known author wrote many novels with the word black in the title, including Black Alibi, The Black Angel, The Black Curtain, and The Bride Wore Black. Who wrote all those novels? I don't know any of those. Um, <laughs> you do have a hint available. Can I suggest you take oh, yeah, a hint? Yeah, yeah. Helen, yeah. how about that hint? He shares a first name with an Ivy League school and a last name with a brand of socks. Cornell Woolrich? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. An effective use of the hint. Great use of the hint. I swear, I thought he was going to say Harvard Gold Toe for yeah. a second, but I'm glad you were able to pull that out. Jonathan Ames' Dartmouth cat Spleen. is... Spleen. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 well, let's see if we can put your brain back into okay. uh, detective novels, because here's question number five. Right. In the wake of Gone Girl and similar recent books, there's been mm. much discussion about the device of the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. What novel written by a British dame was one of the earliest and most notorious uses of this device in mystery fiction? Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. We're looking for we're looking for the novel. Oh, Is that the uh, name of the oh uh, it's probably the first Ripley book. Uh, may I remind you, you have another hint available? If you'd yeah, like can to I have it? a hint available? What's that called? It was a TV show. I need a lifeline. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. that. Helen, how about that second hint? It was written by Agatha Christie. Ah, sh- well, g- g- <laughs> scratch that. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Good use of the hint. I really think right, this so might So now help. I need the title. You need the title of the novel written by Agatha Christie that many say is one of the earliest and most notorious uses of the unreliable narrative. I don't know a lot of her titles, but I'll just go for Murder on the Orient Express. Ellen? That is not correct. Very good guess, though. Oh. Janet, the chance to steal. Oh, gosh, there's so many Agatha Christie books. Um... Ten Little Indians. Helen? That is not correct. Another great guess, but no, it was actually called The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. The Murder of Roger oh, Ackroyd. Brother that was a of difficult Dan one. Ackroyd. Yeah, That's the, right. the late brother, many late, generations late. before. Yeah, he was um, the orange brother, not a blue brother. <laughs> Very good. Fast. Right? Uh, color wheel. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Jonathan, now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time oh. for your cluster fact. Ooh. You guys are so well trained. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite part of my week. 
Uh, this question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Your answer is worth up to three points. Here it is. Detective Lou Archer appeared in 18 novels all written by the same man. For up to three points, what was the author's pen name? What was his real name? And what was the name of his wife, who also was a highly regarded suspense novelist? Do I get hints? No hints anymore. Uh, well, what if I know one answer? You, I would give as many as you have. Oh, well, it's Ross McDonald. All right, is the, is the pen name? You just gave up. I thought maybe that was his real name. Okay, so now i got to come up with a pen. Do I get a point for messing with the host? I don't know if I exactly messed it up. I'm just saying, I was asking, is his pen name? No, no, no. no the you didn't way give you me a chance for my it. voice to go up at the no, end. No, the way you said it. <laughs> All right. The way you said it. So that says, his pen name is Ross McDonald. All right, what do you think his real name was? Um, or is Rich Shapiro? I don't know. And then his wife, who was also a famous suspense novelist. Not Agatha Christie. Uh, <laughs> not Patricia Highsmith. Um, uh, they could share a last name if you want to go that way. Oh, but it would, couldn't be Shapiro. <laughs> I don't know. Ruth Shapiro? Ruth Shapiro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Helen has taken notes of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have with us tonight? Here with us tonight, we have a writer who reviews crime fiction for the Wall Street Journal and is the author of several books, including a biography of famous noir novelist Ross McDonald. It's Tom Nolan. Tom Nolan, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Mr. Nolan. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Oh, what a thrill. Oh, thank you. It's a thrill for us to have you here. Uh, how did you get on the crime fiction beat? Well, uh, I was, uh, I suppose, uh, beginning to research my biography of Ross McDonald, which took me uh, an inordinate number of years. And it occurred to me that uh, if I established myself as some sort of uh, expert in the field, well, by the time I finished my book, uh, people would say, oh, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let's buy the book. <laughs> so and, how do you uh, establish yourself as an expert? Of course, it works brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you do that? How do you establish yourself as an expert in the field? I'd love to try that. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that the Wall Street Journal had a, um, an arts page, and they used freelance people, and they had book reviews, and they had no one reviewing crime fiction, and I called them and said, do you use... They said, yes. I said, could I... They said, yes. <laughs> And uh, so that's how it began. That's all there is to you it, kids. They don't do that anymore. Your question. You, yeah. you can't do that anymore. Oh no. Okay. And uh, what, what are some of the, the what is some recent crime fiction that you've read that you that you've enjoyed? Oh my God! Yesterday, I read a book called I finished reading a book called Cult X by Fuminori Nakamura, a, uh, a very interesting uh, Japanese novelist. Noir, we call it uh, noir. I, I dubbed him a uh, Zen noir writer. It hasn't really caught on a lot, but if you spread the word, uh, mm -hmm. who knows? Hashtag Zen noir, everybody. Right. Hashtag yeah. Zen noir. Pema Chodron and this fellow. No, sorry, I was just trying to get her in there. Again. <laughs> That's all right. Didn't worry, like the Snickers commercial. <laughs> how, did, how did you come to choose Ross McDonald as the author that you wanted to write about? Well, I just became obsessed with him when I was a kid, actually. Uh, <clears throat> I was 11 years old when his uh, daughter disappeared for about a week from college. And this was a front page story here in uh, California. They lived in Santa Barbara. And uh, he came to Los Angeles. She was mistakenly thought to be here. This was a front page story uh, for a week. Mm. He was on TV, radio, everywhere, giving live appeals and so on. Finally, they found his daughter. 
And uh, this, this just uh, really uh, stuck with me. I, so I started reading his books. I had already been reading Chandler and Hammett. And uh, his books just had so much more feeling in them, and the writing was so superior, I thought, although, you know, I love the other writers, too. Um, and you actually have, have edited some of his works as well, Mr. McDonald's. I did. I found uh, three stories in his uh, archive that had not been published, and uh, those were published uh, under the title Strangers in Town. And then uh, I later edited uh, all of his uh, published and these unpublished stories and some other uh, fragments from his notebooks of partial stories mm. uh, uh, as the Archer Files, for which I wrote a long introduction, which is kind of a, a make-believe biography of Lou Archer, but done in a very uh, straight way. And then, uh, finally, recently, I co-edited with Suzanne Mars, who's the biographer of Eudor Welty. We co-edited the correspondence of Eudor Welty and Ross MacDonald. Mm -hmm. That's called Meanwhile, There Are Letters. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes. I know you're dying to reveal these answers to Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> as, a <re> <laughs> as a reminder, uh, Helen, we asked Jonathan what was the name of the man who wrote 18 novels of Lou Archer. We want to know his pen name, his real name, and the wife's name. Uh, what did Jonathan say was one of those answers, which I may have accidentally revealed to be the pen name? <laughs> Jonathan said. Ross McDonald. And that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. A point for Jonathan. <laughs> then we asked Jonathan what was his real name. Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said Richard Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> and is that correct? That is not correct. Oh, I'm terribly no, sorry. Can't be. No, what, what, what actually was that name, Mr. Nolan? Uh, well, his name uh, is Kenneth Millar, spelled Millar, oh. pronounced Miller, Kenneth oh, Miller. You know, I knew that. It's too late, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, and then finally, we wanted to know what was his wife's name, who was also a highly regarded suspense novelist. Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said Ruth Shapiro. <laughs> and Mr. Nolan? No, that's not correct. Oh, I'm sorry, Jonathan. What was her name? Her name was Margaret Millar. Mm. Uh, and she pronounced it Malar. So they uh, spelled their names the same way, yes. but pronounced it differently. She wanted to differentiate herself. Oh. You, you, you know what I know where I saw the name uh, Kenneth Malar recently? No, where? Um, James Elroy dedicated, um, yes. I think. Uh, White Jazz, I think. Or American Tabloid, maybe. I think Perhaps I was just trying to read right. that. One of his books yeah, is he dedicated, dedicated to Kenneth Malar. Yeah, and I was just like, I know who Kenneth Malar is. And, and, and yeah. And uh, Mr. Nolan, where can people find out more about you, your books, and your work for the Wall Street Journal? Well, uh, they can see my reviews in the Wall Street Journal and uh, all these books. Uh, it I also wrote a biography of uh, Artie Shaw. And the books are available uh, at Amazon, for instance, in hardcover, paperback, in an ebook format. And uh, other wonderful independent bookstores may have them, or maybe they'll order them for you. Well, we certainly hope that they will, and we're certainly glad that we had Mr. Tom Nolan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Tom Nolan. <laughs> Helen, let's get a score recap as we end that segment. At the end of that round, Jonathan Ames has five and a half points, and Janet Varney has two points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Janet about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Jonathan and Janet will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paula Poundstone. And I'm Adam Felber. Adam, I haven't gotten one thing done today. Well, let me see your to-do list. Ah, yeah, well, here. Make 30-second promo for Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, so at least you're getting that done. Score! Except you haven't said what the show's about. We're like a comedy field guide to life, starring me and you. 
I give useful advice, and we have real experts to talk about things like how to keep a friend or what to do when you encounter a bear. Bully for you, but you haven't said where people can find the show. Oh, MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, this is Jay Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself here on the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Paul, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. <laughs> All right. <laughs> gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. When- oh, okay. <laughs> We've got me co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. And if you're in the New York area, come check us out live. We're doing two shows there on July 21st and July 22nd. Go to gofactorpod.com for tickets and more. We'll see you in New York or on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Janet Varney with two points and Jonathan Ames with five and a half points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Janet Varney, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Jodie Foster movies from the 1970s to the 1990s, the New York Times crossword puzzles, and alt-rock 1990s bands. Today, we're going to ask you about Jodie Foster movies. Okay. You seem pleased with that result. Uh, I just don't know what your questions about the crossword would have been. <laughs> what did you get for seven by down? 15. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, why Jodie Foster? Uh, I just, I just, uh, I just loved her. I just loved her. I had a talent crush on her uh, from very young, and um, and she's just older enough than me that, like, I was sort of seeing her movies a little bit after she made them, mm. but sort of matching, like sort of coming into them a few years later, but it just sort of timed out that What was way. the first movie you saw of hers? Uh, probably Napoleon and Samantha. Mm-hmm. And how old were you? I, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I guess I would have, I mean, I'm sure I didn't see it like when it came out. Mm. Uh, so I probably would have been like six or wow. seven. Oh, something like wow. That. What are some of your favorite Jodie Foster movies? Uh, uh, let's see. I, well, these are all movies that I, I loved when I was younger mm-hmm. because they seemed all so edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love the Hotel New Hampshire um, where she is in love with her brother played by Rob Lowe. Uh, <laughs> like, she was not? the goat. You know, she was, I mean, of course, Taxi Driver is like, she, this is sort of the reason, but she was, she was like this weird go-to like, let's get someone who is completely vulnerable, has been hurt in many ways, and somehow is still tough. Like, that's sort of what, when you think about her most iconic roles, those are the roles I think people think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's a reason for that. I think she's just got that openness to her that's... And has she influenced your work as an actor? I mean, I'm in comedy, so not so much. Okay. Maybe her work in Maverick. Uh, no, I, I mean, I really did. Like, I loved Candleshoe and Freaky Friday. Those were two huge, in, like, they were hugely influential on me as just the sort of, like, she's real, yeah, you know what? Yes, she was, she's a great, snarky teenager. Um, and, and, a, and a tomboy, which I sort of, you know, I identified with, like, sort of deeper voice and, like, like hiding your hurt with toughness, I think. <laughs> okay. I liked. Wow. We're getting, we're getting into the, yeah. the deep stuff here. I like it. Uh, have you ever met Jodie Foster? No. Oh. No. I what would, would like you to. say if you, if you did get a chance to meet her? I'd, I don't know that much about you and your work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to seem creepy. So she, she's not here. Yeah. I just want to be, be clear. Like, I don't want to freak you. I'm sorry. Jo- Joni? 
You said your name was Joni? <laughs> you got to play it cool, you're saying. That's right. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Jodie Foster movies to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, let's let you show off with five trivia questions about her, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Jonathan, listen closely because you can steal if Janet gets any of them wrong. How much do you know about Jodie Foster movies, Jonathan? Um... Very little. Okay. <laughs> well, then, but I'm wondering, what is she doing like right now? You know what I mean? Because yeah. she yeah. is alive. Like, right. Is she she has a movie coming she's out. She's probably somewhere toward in the West. Is she having a nice yeah. dinner? Right. Is probably. she watching TV? Is she happy? Like, yeah. is there, does she have, I think she has children. Is someone yeah. giving her a neck massage? Is she yeah. bored? Yeah. Like, what is she doing right now? Right. Yeah. If I you're listening I, and you know what Jodie Foster is doing right now, please tweet at GoFactorPath. Is she feeling yeah. good? Is she yeah. upset? Yeah. Is she taking a bath? Right. Well, oh. we're gonna, our questions are going to focus on her I feel so much work. less creepy now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to go creepy yeah. with a bath. I'm going to come up with any quotidian. This thing. is what a writer does, is you imagine what the character's yeah. experience yeah. is, what yeah. someone's experience I didn't think it was creepy until you said neck massage. Yeah, and I was like, Well, I imagine like she's got a, a partner of some sort. Yeah, maybe, she's married. Maybe they're watching TV and someone's right. giving her a neck massage. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hope she's that she's the bona fide life expert. Yeah. Like, a yeah. neck massage. I, I think Jody she's life. doing okay. <laughs> Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. She might not be. No we all hope you're getting a neck massage. Wow. She might be going through a rough time as well. Everyone's going through a rough time. You know who she should read? That's right. Here we go. Ding. Janet, here's your first question about Jodie Foster movies from the 1970s to 1990s. Jodie Foster. Foster's last movie of the 1990s was Anna and the King, which had the same characters and story as a popular Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Which musical? The King and I. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. You seem disappointed it was so easy. Because <laughs> I feel like you could have guessed that even if you didn't know anything All about right, well, let's see how you do with anyway. number two then. Here we go. Number two, Jodie Foster has been nominated for four Oscars and won two. For what two movie performances did she win? She won for uh, The Accused, and she won for Silence of the Lambs. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Phew. The Accused in 1989 and Silence of the Lambs in 1992. You're two for two, Janet. Here's question number three. Jodie Foster has been nominated for four Oscars and won two. For what two movie performances was she nominated but did not win? Oh, okay. Taxi Driver. She was nominated and did not win. What did she get nominated for otherwise? You do have a hint available if you'd yeah, like to use it. Yeah, let's take that hint. Let's take that hint. Helen? One was in 1977, and the other was in 1995. 95? hmm 95. I'm going to say that a few times while yep. I stall. Mm-hmm. 1995. One, nine, nine, five. All right. All right. Hey, everybody, let's, let's say that together. 1995. Did that help? That yes. Well. Okay. Okay. 95. All right. 95... That's like post Nell. Maybe it was Nell. Is that your answer? Yeah. So what are your two answers again? A taxi driver and Nell. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> wow. Tay in the wind. You worked it Tay out. You worked it out. Tay in the wind. What a weird. That's a deep cut. That is a deep cut and very well I think, I think, served. Sh- I think you were helped by us chanting 1995. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was. Thanks, we'll guys. We'll see if that comes up again later. Maybe we I can do that again. Was. Yeah. Uh, you're three for three. Here's number four. It wasn't just as an actor where Jodie Foster made her mark. In the 1990s, she began to work behind the camera as well. Name one of the two movies Jodie Foster produced and directed in the 1990s. Little Man Tate. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Just for the heck of it, do you know the other one? Uh, Home for the Holidays. Home for the Holidays that is, is also, also correct. correct. Wow. Yeah. 
I know, it's Wowie zowie. Here is question number five. You are on the precipice of having a perfect score, Janet oh, Marty. Oh, boy. Jodie Foster worked with some amazing directors from the 70s to the 90s, but which of the following has not directed Ms. Foster in a feature film? Oh, oh. Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, Ridley Scott, Robert Zemeckis, or Richard Donner? Richard Donner. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Jonathan with a chance to steal. Okay, so now I have to name the director she's not worked with? Right. Correct. Of the remaining directors. <sighs> I want um, the list again? Mm, yeah. All right, so remaining are Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, Ridley Scott, and Robert Zemeckis. Oh. Robert Zemeckis? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm sorry. The correct mm -hmm. answer is Ridley Scott. Yeah. Oh. She worked with Scorsese twice in Taxi Driver and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore with Woody Allen in Shadows and Fog, with Robert Zemeckis in Contact, and with Richard Donner in the aforementioned Maverick. Uh, all right, you still did very well in that round, Janet. And now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Ninety-five. <laughs> All right, the correct answer is worth up to three points. In 1972 and 1973, Jodie Foster made two movies as the leading lady with the same leading man. For up to three points, what were those two movies and who was the leading man? Oh, I forget his name. We can start with the movies. Yeah, the movies were Napoleon and Samantha and Tom Sawyer. Okay. And the little boy is that redhead that was in all those Disney movies. And I just made my sweet gentleman live in fiance watch the preview for Tom Sawyer <laughs> very recently. And I still can't remember what his name is. You want to hazard a guess? Any, any child star of that era? Maybe Richard Shapiro. Richard Shapiro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that guy is versatile. <laughs> Multi-talented Richard Shapiro. Multi-talented Richard Shapiro. Yeah. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight is a man who starred in dozens of TV shows and movies, including Family Affair, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, and two movies with Jodie Foster. It's Johnny Whitaker. Johnny Whitaker, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Whitaker is sobbing. I'm so sorry. He's just inconsolable. Please, please forgive me. Please forgive me. This, this is the person whose name I couldn't remember, in case that's not clear. And what is it? Johnny Whitaker. Johnny Whitaker! Oh, they're hugging. <laughs> Tom Sawyer, that ear. <laughs> Hey, you. Tom Sawyer. Yes. <laughs> you have to cut that out. All right, we just need to bring the microphone rights. a little closer. To oh, there we go. There you okay. go. Hello, Mr. Whitaker. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. This is so cool. Now, it now is you cool. know that I gave Jodie Foster these lips. Yes. Gave Jodie Foster her first on-screen kiss. Ooh. <laughs> uh, now, let's go back a little bit. You starred in Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. My goodness. And, but... Also, if any of you are Sigmund and the Sea Monster fans and you have um, Prime, Amazon mm -hmm. Prime, we did a remake of Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, and that's on Amazon Prime, and I played a salty sea captain. 
Oh my goodness, I've actually seen this because I auditioned for it. Oh! <laughs> and I totally remember you now being the salty sea captain and you were great. What was it like to be back in that world that was, what, 40, 50 years later? Well, I still have had a good relationship with Marty Croft and Sid Croft and all the family there. I told him, I've got to be on that show no matter what. And so he was nice enough to listen to me because I actually own 5% of the original scene. <laughs> well done. Well done. You and must have had a good agent as a kid. Yeah, very good. And she's still alive, 94 years old, Mary wow. Grady. Wow, that's wow. amazing. How did, you, uh, how did you first get into showbiz? I know you, you grew up in L.A. as a kid. Right. Well, the Osmonds, Donnie and Marie, were in the same congregation that I was. Literally in the same religious congregation, yes, not yeah. in the same crowd. I mean, you no, 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 no. We were in the same building. Right. And there was a, I was singing a song in, like, today is Mother's Can I say that? Mother's sure, Day? we're recording this on Mother's okay, Day. Yeah. yes. And on Mother's Day and whatever, the, the whole, all the little kids get up and sing a Mother's Day song, and everybody goes, oh, there's cute. How? And I was one of the kids that was singing, I forgot the words because it was my sisters who were singing behind me and I was kind of the star and I forgot the words to the second verse and so I just continued to sing and make up the words <laughs> at three years old. Somebody was like, somebody put that kid in a movie. Yes, that's what happened. That's and I, I met my, my agent, and I went on an audition that day, and I got the job. And you got your first audition the first day. Wow, yeah. what was that for? Wow. That was for OK Used Cars. <laughs> Commercial. Where you would want to have a three-year-old kid selling you a car. Absolutely. That's terrific. And then how did you, and how and when did you get out of show business? How did you transition out? A long story short, 20 and a half years ago, my family had an intervention and said, you get clean and sober or else you're going to be excommunicated from the family. And it worked. Almost. Oh, okay. It's getting ahead of myself. I, I continued for 12 days, and then on the 12th day, I got clean and sober. And from that time to this, I have not had any mind-altering substance, and I am a person in long-term recovery. Wow. Congratulations. And this also is your work now as well. Well, right now I am a DUI school trainer, which is tons of fun. <laughs> also, I am on the board of directors and the Los Angeles director of A New Path, which is Parents for Addiction Treatment and Healing. And with that, we help uh, people who are in prison. Uh, I've worked in prison. I've, uh, one year I was at uh, Lancaster State Prison. What a career. My goodness, what a, what a, to, to go from, where you were, from, from what you had accomplished as a, as a younger person to then to the depths that you went to and then to come out the other side. Well, I think, I think that it's, it's, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked Janet. Uh, we asked Janet of the two Jodie Foster movies where she was the leading lady with the same leading man. What were the two movies and who was the leading man? Helen, let's remind everyone of the two movies that Janet said. Janet said Napoleon and Samantha and Tom Sawyer. And <laughs> She got those both correct. Very good. And then we asked Janet, who was that leading man? Helen, what did Janet say? Janet said Richard Shapiro. And Johnny Whitaker, is that correct? Well, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
one of the best actors. <laughs> yeah? I'm, I can't remember his name. Um, it's written down right here. Oh, Johnny Whittaker. It was Johnny Whittaker. It was him. It seems so cruel that you would give me a person who was here whose name I to remember. Was there anything? It was a you... guarantee I was going to space. No, it was a no, guarantee, no. and I didn't know. Now, is there anything you'd like to ask Johnny Whittaker while we have him here about his experience with Jodie Foster? N- uh, no, I, I just want to applaud you for doing such important work, and I, I think that's wonderful, and I'm very inspired by your story. Well, thank you. Thank I think I, I am as well, and I think I speak for everyone. When we now, say I we do want to just let you know that I'm yeah. directing a film this summer, mm-hmm. or this fall, um, and it's called Prepper's Grove. And it's, it's kind of a, a scary, um, it's kind of a scary slasher movie, but it's the first film that I'm going to have the opportunity of really directing. So. Oh, we'll look forward to that. Congratulations. People, congratulations. Yeah. And if people want to find out more about your work, either with the addiction... Uh, JohnnyWhitaker.com. Yes. And my nonprofit is PasoPorPaso.org. Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here, Mr. Johnny Whitaker, ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. Thank you so much. All right, Helen, how about a score recap as we go into the final round? At the end of that round, Jonathan Ames has five and a half points, and Janet Varney has eight points. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jonathan and alternate between each guest, keeping the discussion to a minimum. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is either true or false. Here we begin. Jonathan, Los Angeles has hosted a Summer Olympics. True. Correct. That's right, in 1984. Janet, Salt Lake City has hosted a Winter Olympics. True. Correct. Yes, in 2002. Jonathan, Salt Lake City has hosted a Summer Olympics. False. Correct. Janet, Chicago has hosted the Summer Olympics. False. Correct. Jonathan, Chicago will host the Summer Olympics in the next 10 years. False. Correct. That's right. Next is Tokyo, Paris, and then back to Los Angeles. Janet, the United States has won a medal in every event in the Winter Olympics. Ugh. True. Correct. Jonathan, the United States has won a gold medal in every event in the Winter Olympics. False. Correct. That's right. We're missing luge and ski jumping. Uh, Janet, Mexico has never participated in the Winter Olympics. False. Correct. That's right. In fact, they were in in 2018. Jonathan, Mexico's only Winter Olympics was in 2018. False. Correct. That's right. They won their first in 1928. And finally, Janet, Mexico has won a medal in the Winter Olympics. True. Incorrect. No, for some reason, the Mexicans don't do well in the Winter Olympics. Let's give a nice hand to both of our contestants. Janet Varney, Jonathan Ames, while Helen tallies the points. That was a very high-scoring true or false, by the way. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Jonathan Ames has 10 and a half points, and Janet Varney has 12 points. Congratulations, Janet Varney. You are the facting champion. Janet, what will you do with your championship? I think I'm just going to say the name Johnny Whitaker over and over again in case I ever get asked that in his presence again. I think that's an excellent use of your championship. Thank you. All right, that just leaves us to uh, promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Jonathan Ames, what are you going on? Um, products? I know. I wish um, I had products. Appearances or services. Back in the 90s when I had shows, I, I was really into psyllium fiber that came in these... Um, psyllium husks? Yeah, yeah, and I, my dad would come to these shows... And I would sell my first novel, and I said, something to read while on the toilet. And then I, and I, because I, I, it was like the Pema Chodron thing, I thought the fiber could really help people. <laughs> because so many people were so upset because they were constipated and digestive issues were so upsetting. So I promote psyllium fiber. Wait, would you actually, 
Would you bring it to your shows and sell it? Yeah, I would buy these cans what? at a health food store. I thought maybe I would make money. You would and, and sell my novel. My dad would be in the and then I even had cigarette girls at one time go around in like mini skirts <laughs> with the thing selling fiber. I thought it's healthier than cigarettes. You know, usually the plugs are where the surprises end on this show. <laughs> Tonight it is where they begin. Wait, a cigarette girl hawking psyllium husks is the funniest image. I can't, like, I, I now I know what my next Halloween costume's gonna Excellent. be. Excellent. Jonathan Ames, ladies and gentlemen. Janet Varney, any random health products for regularity that you would like to mention? I'll tell you, I will promote the episode of my podcast this summer that I will force Jonathan to do so <laughs> that we may hear more about that. Yeah. Excellent. So it's a co-promo. I'm, and we're, co-promo. I'm into health in general. Yeah. yeah. Like, and where can people really find your again. podcast, Janet? Uh, it's anywhere you find podcasts. It's on the Nerdist Network, uh, but you can locate it anywhere. What network? The Nerdist Network. Nerdist? This is the best moment of the <laughs> well, day. Janet Varney, ladies and gentlemen. Fun, everyone. Arnold Palmer and Arnold Palmer on the Nordis Network. Yeah. Your co-host has been the lovely Miss Helen Hong. Hello. <laughs> you can follow me on my social media at Funny Helen Hong, where I'll be posting and tweeting pictures of a uh, psyllium husk. Yeah. <laughs> at Funny Helen Hong. At Funny Helen Hong, and she is Funny Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Janet Varney, Jonathan Ames, Tom Nolan, Johnny Whitaker, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Ben Regelv did. He said, great guests, fun hosts, and interesting experts. Can't get enough. Thanks, Ben Reglev. Or Ren Regelv. I don't know. <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. David Mc- Kiever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Dave Bianchi, Julie Rivette, Leora Saul, Scott J. Langto, Stella Chow, Daniela Zeltzer, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.